And um, I was asked to, to preach, and I'm thankful for that, uh, to, to preach a, a, something appropriate for, for New Year's. And why in the world would I pick Ezekiel chapter 1? Uh, it just doesn't sound like a logical thing to do, does it? You know, when you read, when we get through reading this chapter 1, you'll, you'll think even more like that. But, uh, but I just felt like that this is what the Lord would have me to preach upon. And, and the book of Ezekiel has, has, uh, has been probably the least studied and the least read of all of the Old Testament books, I do believe. And it's a book that has got lots of great truths and teachings for us that the Lord wants to apply to our lives. And so I pray that he would use this first chapter tonight to be a start in bringing much benefit to all of our souls through this study of his word. Start in verse 1. We're going to read all of the chapter. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Chebar Canal, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth day, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Chebar Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north and a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually and in the midst of the fire as it were gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings on their four sides they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side, the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces, and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went, without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of beryl. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being as it were a wheel within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went. And their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went. 
and the wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went, and when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Over the heads of the living creatures there was the likeness of an expanse shining like an awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads. And under the expanse of their wings were stretched out straight one toward another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Father, we need to hear your voice speaking. Lord, please let the Holy Spirit speak your word through this fallible man. Use these sinful lips anoint them that they might be instruments for you to use to speak forth your truth for we so desperately need to hear a word from the Lord and we ask it in Jesus name amen statement made by Sir Winston Churchill in 1939 concerning what role Russia might play in World War II he said I cannot forecast to you the action of Russia it is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. But perhaps there is a key. That key is Russian national interest. Well, when you look at Ezekiel, many people have always considered it to be an enigma. But I do believe that the Lord can make clear many things in this, in this passage here tonight for us by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. First, we need to get some, some background and we need to recognize that it's speaking here in the 30th year, which is, I believe, is speaking of the year of the age of Ezekiel. He was 30 years old at this particular time. Now, there had already been, you remember that the Babylonians had come into to Judah and into Jerusalem. And they had already taken out uh, the first group in 605 B.C. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were among those in that first group that were taken captive to the land of Babylon. And God had promised that he was going to deliver his people up into captivity for 70 years. But after that, they were going to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And so he is judging his people because of their... Uh, lack of love and for all of their idolatry and false worship and for not turning to him and following him as he had given them so many opportunities and so many reasons to do so. 
And so Ezekiel is in his 30th year. It's in the year 593 BC. And that was in this time when this second group was taken out of, um, out of Judah because King Jehoiachin, it says here, is in the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin. He had rebelled. And so uh, the Babylonians came back in and they took about 10,000 more captives all the way to the land of Babylon. And Ezekiel was among those. Now Ezekiel was preparing to be a priest who has, according to Levitical standards, at, uh, in, um, in the, at the age of 30, he would have become a priest and would be ministering there in the temple there in Jerusalem. And now his world is being turned completely upside down. That all of those dreams that he had, had thought about and he had worked for seemed to be crashing down and he didn't understand what was going on, but God had another plan for Ezekiel. And Ezekiel wasn't going to be a priest, but God was going to use him to be a prophet. And so here he is on this Chebar Canal and God in his great mercy knows that he has such a high calling for this man that he is going to give him a glorious vision. He's going to give him a vision of the very glory of God. I believe that's what we need for the new year. We need a vision of the glory of the almighty God. We go around and have looked back on this last year and years past and all these times and we look at our situations and some of us are going through a lot of trials and tribulations and troubles and all that but if we will get our eyes fixed on the Lord of glory and who he is and what he what he has accomplished and what he is doing and what he is about then we will be able to be uh, content and useful in his service during our time here on this earth as well and it says that that he uh, he was there and, and the Lord came and it says that the hand of the Lord was upon him there what a great phrase that is to know that the hand of the Lord was upon him. That's what I pray for all of us, that the hand of the Lord might be upon us. And so he says he looked and he sees this stormy wind coming out of the north and a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually. Well, that means that uh, out of the north was where it was always the place where the enemies of Israel would come. And so he sees this great whirlwind. He sees this great cloud and the brightness and fire flashing forth from it and it coming out of the north. And it's, it's coming, it's showing that God is present anywhere that he wants to be. He's transcendent, that nothing can keep him or hold him in one place. You can't put God in a box. He goes and does and plead wherever he pleases and at whatever time and however ways that he wants to do it. And so here he is and he's, we see that his, in his transcendent holiness here in this fire and this whirlwind that, that God is drawing near and he hears the sounds of threatening armies and so he, he's, he's terrified as you would imagine to see something like this that's, that's happening and not knowing what it is that's going to happen. But I think that we can get a, a better understanding of this, uh, this passage if we, if we look at it in, 
in three, I mean, in four parts here divided up. And if you look at verses five through 14, you will see that it's speaking of the four living creatures. And then in verses 15 through 21, is speaking of the four wheels. And then in verses 22 through 25, it's speaking of this great expanse or this platform that's above all of the wheels and above all of the living creatures. And then you get to verses 26 through 29 and you see the likeness of a throne and you see that there is one seated upon the throne. So what, what, he is, what God is doing here is he's causing Ezekiel to be able to have a clear understanding as God is speaking to him in symbolic language and Ezekiel is writing all of this down for us, just like in Revelation, that you have to use similes and metaphors like or as or, or something in the appearance of, that type of wording, because God cannot be fully known. He reveals himself to us in a way that we can take in and the way that we can understand parts of everything that he wants us to know but we can know God, but we can't know him comprehensively. We can't know him totally. There's still something that's hidden about God. There's always something that's about God that's far more than we could ever imagine. Our finite minds just cannot get a handle on everything that it is to know about this great God. That's one thing that's so great about us studying the scriptures. And I hope that you'll take a Take time in your, this coming year to have a Bible plan and to start even today reading morning and evening a passage of Scripture and that you will spend time in the Word this year and that you will dedicate yourselves to that more than you ever have in the past. God speaks to us through His Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And now here's, here's Ezekiel and he's, he's seeing this vision and he sees these creatures and and uh, he sees that uh, God is revealing himself in a, in a special way to him about these creatures. He's showing that they are, um, they are four living creatures. He'd find out in chapter 10 that they are cherubim, that they have one message, and their message is that God is holy. They are unearthly and yet similar they're over all creation, just as God is above it all, and they're showing that God rules. God is controlling them. He's in the, in the wheels, and in the Holy Spirit is in the wheels and in the, in the creatures. You see that God is untamable. He's unlike the pagan gods. And what do you do? You fall on your face before this holy God as he is revealed to us in the scriptures. We see these living creatures have four faces. They have the face of a man, they have the face of an ox, they have the face of a lion, and they have the face of an eagle. And so that's given us a picture there that all of creation is under God's authority, that he's over all of these, all that has life. He's taken man, which is the highest of all of his created beings, and given dominion over everything else under his rule. And then you see the ox, which is the highest form of the domesticated beast, the beast of burden. And then you see the lion, which is the greatest of all the beasts of, uh, of the wild animals. And then you see the eagle, which is the greatest of all of the, the birds of the air. The eagle is, 
is the, the one bird that can fly straight toward the sun and never have to blink. It's an amazing thing. And he's, he can see for like three miles away, he can see a rat or a mouse crawling across the ground. What an amazing thing God does in his creation. So we, we see all of these things are under God's control and we see how, how important it is for us to recognize that these creatures are doing, the, doing their obedience to God himself as he commands because where is all the, the power coming from? It's coming from the wheels. If you go to chapter 15, verse 15, he says, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each one of the four of them. So there's four wheels and there's a wheel inside a wheel. I don't know, kind of like casters or something like that, but there's, they're huge. There's great big wheels. These are the first things that you see on the earth as Ezekiel would as he is standing there. And there's these great big wheels and there's wheels like this, like a square box. And then inside there's, there's another wheels and they're all moving at the same time. And around the rims, the rims are just absolutely huge and they have eyes all around them, which is showing that the Holy Spirit is in the wheels and his eyes are omniscient and he's seeing everything that there is to see, that there's nothing that's passing before him that he's not got a, a picture of and knowing exactly what is happening. He's knowing every word that's coming on your tongue before you even speak it. He knows every hair on your head. That's how great he is. He sees everything and nothing can hinder him and in his work and in his plans. And he's just as powerful in Babylonia as he was when he was in the temple in Jerusalem. Those cherubim were pictures too. You saw cherubim that were over the Ark of the Covenant. You saw these cherubim that were plenty of, plenty of of these uh, cherubim that were on places or all around the temple. And you see these cherubim that are, uh, that are in places that were in the tabernacle in the wilderness. So they were always there to represent the holiness and the presence of God. So there you were with these living creatures there all around, but these, these wheels have this Holy Spirit, it says, their appearance like the gleaming a barrel and the forehead the same likeness as they're doing that but says that when they went they went in any of the four directions without turning as they went in other words they were at God's total command that's the way God rules that he can cause things to happen and go in just the way he wants to he's causing Ezekiel to see that he's got everything under control and it happens looks like lightning it happens so fast those wheels when he says, gives the command, they move upward. When the Holy Spirit gives the command to stop, they stop. When he gives the command to go right, they all go right. When they say the command to go left, they go left. When he gives the command, but they're always going forward. All of these wheels are always turning. They're always moving. God is always on the move. He's always doing something. He's always accomplishing his plans. He's got something that he's got planned for this year, for you and for your lives and for your families. Trust in him. He's the one that's in charge and he's the one that you want to be in charge. And they see in all these things that's going on, he's working out everything according to his will and according to his good pleasure. And wherever he wanted them to go, that's where they went. And so it says, and over the heads of the creatures, there was this likeness, like this great expanse that was, that was there like a great big platform. It was just like a, like in Revelation, it was like that there was no more sea, but there was that 
smooth platform that was in front of the throne of God that was just able to recognize that these creatures and these wheels are up underneath this platform as though they're holding up the throne of God and that there's this image of God who is, because it tells here that God tells Ezekiel in this vision, he looks up and he sees that there's this throne. He sees the likeness of a throne, just like over in Revelation chapter four, when John was told to, said to have saw the heavens open and a voice said, come up here. And I looked and I saw, and there was a throne and there on the throne was one seated. That's why it's saying there, see the, you can't give the whole appearance of God. So it talks about, he sees this one though, as, as though the sound of the almighty and the tumult of many waters and all this, all this picture of how God is the one who is uh, uncontrollable and he is the one who is the almighty and he is the one who is over everything. And Ezekiel is seeing this and he sees this, this throne just like John did. And he says he looked and he saw and there was one seated on the throne. The throne is occupied. The throne is one seated on it is God almighty. And Jesus Christ is seated on that heavenly throne now at the right hand of the Father. And so there you see that they have, he is controlling everything that is going on. And there's this expanse over their heads and this, this, this throne that looks like sapphire, which is a, a light blue. And then seated above the throne is this likeness of this human appearance. And upward from that is from the waist up is like gleaming metal and appearance of fire. And we always see God in the appearance of fire, just like we did with Moses in the burning bush. And we see God when he was in the wilderness, that he would appear in that, in that flame at night of, of fire, as that pillar of fire at night and the pillar of cloud by day, as he was being dwelling in the midst of his people, that he was there with them, no matter what they were going through, that he was dwelling right there in their midst, just like we just heard during this time of the incarnation that now we have God with us, our Emmanuel. And so Jesus is this one who is with us and he's given us the Holy Spirit so that he now even indwells us. He's drawn so near to us. He's desirous for us to be with him in such an intimate way. He wants to have fellowship and intimacy with us. He desires for us to be with him at all times. And he wants us to know that he's with us and he's for us and that he loves us. And so she says he looks down and he sees all this brightness around him. And then we see how this, this, this God of judgment and all these things that had happened and all that, the sounds of armies and all of these things that were coming out of the north. But here we see this God who is there with Ezekiel, giving Ezekiel this vision that is going to strengthen him, that is going to encourage him, that is going to build him up in the faith that is going to cause him to be able to know that he has been in the presence of God and that God has his hand upon him and that he is calling him to this special work of a prophet and it's going to be hard. There's, I don't think there's any, any people in the history of the world that have gone through more suffering for the sake of the Lord than the prophets. And most of them were stoned or sawed in two or killed but they stayed faithful because they had a clear vision of God and what he had called them to do. And like Jeremiah says, uh, he had put his words in my mouth and I could not keep silent. 
I had to proclaim the truth of his word because that was the only thing that was going to do the people any good. Even though they weren't going to listen, even though many would have hard hearts and they would turn away from him and they would do terrible things to the prophets and, and abuse them and, and say false things about them and false prophets would come and preach things that would tickle people's ears just as they do today instead of telling them the truth. But the prof, true prophets say you can always know them because everything that they said would come true 100% of the time. They never had, you never had to worry about whether it was sent from God or not. He said, there have many that have gone out from me, but I did not send them. You will know if some man is sent from God if he tells you the truth according to the word of God. If he gets off a track or starts telling you stories or starts telling you, starts reading you newspaper articles or all these kind of things, run. You want to hear a word from the Lord. You want to hear a true word from one of God's people. And I'm telling you, the call is so important. And God has given Ezekiel a clear call to the office of being a prophet at this particular time in a place which is about 200 miles north of the city of Babylon when he gets this vision up there on the river Chebar. And that he is going to be the one that is going to have to proclaim this word and going through many trials and tribulations, even losing his wife later on that he loved so much after 12 years, laying on his side for a whole year, all kind of different things. The ministry is going to be exceedingly difficult, but he knows that he's in the center of God's will and he's doing what God has called him to do. And therefore, he counts it all joy. I'm going to tell you that if you don't have a call from God to be in the ministry, don't be in it. You have to know that you have a sure and clear call of God to be an officer in his church or to be doing anything in the ministry of the Lord. You need to know that he's called you to that ministry for you to be serving there. But it's especially true of God's ministers that they have to have a clear call to know that they have been sent by God himself to fill this office and to proclaim this word. I can tell you that God gave us a clear call when we went on the mission field. And he did that, I know, because he knows my sinful heart. He knows how easily I would be prone to go in side directions and do different things and all that other than what he had called me to do. And he made it clear and he gave a clear call for us to go to the country of Peru. And there was no doubt about it. And Therefore, if you don't have a clear call, you'll lose heart, you'll give up, you'll, you'll, you'll get out of the ministry, you'll wind up getting burned out because you don't have that zeal for the Lord and for the Lord's house the way that you should. So Ezekiel's getting, he's getting strengthened for this ministry that God is going to give him. And so uh, we see that there at the end, he says he sees the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Now you notice here that, and everywhere else, nobody ever has to introduce God. <laughs> he introduces himself. And that's what he does in this chapter. And you get to the very end and he says, and when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. Oh my, what an encouragement. What a blessing. And we go to the word. And we go and we say, Lord, here is your servant. 
a poor, humble, hopefully, Lord, I know I'm not humble like I need to be. Lord, get rid of this pride, every vestige of it. Lord, cause me to be a humble servant and faithful. Lord, please teach me. Put me a teachable spirit in me. Cause me to continue to go forward. That's what David Livingston said when they asked him about going back to Africa again. He said, I'm willing to go anywhere for the Lord as long as it's forward. That's what we desire us to do in this coming year. May we all go forward knowing that the Lord has got his hand upon us, that he loves us, that he's inclined his face to us, that he wants us to know him. He wants us to understand how much he cares. He wants us to know that he's in charge. He wants us to not fear for this coming year. Don't worry about all the circumstances and all the things that's going on in the political world and all these other places and all that stuff. There is one on the throne and his name is Jesus. And he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he rules. And you can depend on it that he is never going to leave you. He'll never abandon that throne. He's never going to share that throne. He's not going to share his glory with anybody else. But we get the great privilege of basking in it. What a privilege. What a privilege. May we do that more and more each day of our lives as we continue on trusting in him. As good soldiers continue to fight the good fight of faith. And one of these days, when it's all said and done, we're going to look back and see where God has had his hand upon us. And especially in times when we felt like we were so without him, when we were abandoned. That's the time that he was closest to us. And he will bring you through it. And then once you get through it, you will look back and say, oh, how you did strengthen my heart how you did cause me to be more full of faith and steadfast and immovable than I was before. Oh, thank you. Oh, God, please show me your glory. Oh, I long to see the glory of the Lord. And one of these days, we're going to see that beautiful glory of the Lord in all of his majesty and splendor. When we see that one seated on that throne in heaven in all of his magnificent splendor, with nothing to hinder us from having a clear vision as we look right straight into the face of Jesus for our faith will have ended in sight and we will see him as he is and there will be nothing but pure holiness there and we will be made absolutely holy with no sin, nothing to hinder our vision from seeing him just as the eagle can look straight into the eye of the sun and not blink. We will look into the face of Jesus and we'll see the outpouring of his great love and affection for us that has been going on since all eternity and is never going to end. It's just going to continue to get greater and greater and greater as our understanding of the greatness and the glory of our God continues to be made manifest to us throughout all eternity. May God bless you and may God continue to keep his hand upon you in this coming year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have so many things and so many different ways to teach us things. Lord, so many things seem strange to us and seem that like they are such an enigma. And yet you do it because you want to call our attention to how great you are. 
You want to call our attention to things to show that you're not some ordinary God. You're not just like some pagan deity who doesn't exist. You're an extraordinary God. You're a great and mighty God. You're a God who is worthy to be honored and praised and lifted up and highly exalted. And that's what we do, just like Ezekiel. He started there at the bottom with the wheels and kept looking up and up and up until he finally saw you, Lord, on your throne. And then he saw you and heard you as you spoke to him. And he fell down in awe and worship. Lord, help us to bow down in awe and worship here and not just in the sanctuary, but everywhere we go, Lord, give us that spirit of being in total submission to you and in reverence and awe of you in everything that we say and do. Lord, keep your hand upon your people and lead and guide them in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.